something like that, like we're one one hundredth millionth or something. So that's the sun, and then you can find like the moon in the Nobel Peace Museum and the Earth in like some other museum. What? And it's like all spread out from like here to the northern tip of Sweden is like the solar system. So it's like a university, or not, like a like, universe scavenger hunt. Kind of, yeah, yeah, like a solar system scavenger huh. hunt. So you can like. Where do I find Earth? Where's Mercury, Mars, Venus, all that stuff? That's awesome. Yeah. And just the amount of, um, like, I always wonder if the thought had to, like, was that just something where, like, oh, all the space is open, or is it, like... Uh, Or, hey, look, our country's really long. Maybe we can, like, build a solar system. (laughs) Oh, so you have to go, like, really north to see one of them. really far north. Like, up to the Arctic. Yeah, to, like, for, like, Pluto... Or, like, the Oort belt or, like, some <laughs> comet or something is, like, way, way north. Um, but most I of the things you can see... you were explaining it, I thought it was just the city. No, no, it's, like, the country <laughs> in size. Yeah, so you, you would have to go way north to, like, see the whole thing. And Norway doesn't have anything like that. I, I'm, I don't think so. Maybe there's, like, one thing or two things, I'm not sure. But most of the, most of the stuff were familiar with or is here in Stockholm like you can find Earth and the Moon and stuff but they're like separated yeah, by yeah. one end of town to the other or something like that's that. also like cool just because I imagine it's difficult when designing a country's tourism to get people to go mm. to all the random places right like, and, like so I think it's kind of a smart like there's somebody that does that yeah. There's somebody that goes to all the planets just to say that they could. They, they could or they have, yeah. Or they're like huge, um, like astrology nerds. And sometimes the like things that they're using to represent a planet are art pieces. And sometimes they're like, this is actually a piece of meteorite that we're using to represent this thing. Uh, so I've seen the whole list on Imager, I think is where. I so the Ericsson Globe. Is the sun. Oh, okay. Right? Because I was like, that's probably... Yeah. The, the... It's the biggest... The biggest... Roundest thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the largest sphere. Yeah. And then Spherical I think, building in the world. Uh, and has... Yeah, was or has been or... No, it... It, it is? They are very confident. That it is? Yeah. Yeah. Which is... Seems like a, a weird thing to be competing with. Like, tallest building. Sure. Everybody's gunning for that, that, right? Yeah. But roundest, <laughs> like the largest round building, is uh, really rough. It it doesn't seem like an efficient use of space. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> like you can't really build that as like office buildings, right. unless there were like rows of. <laughs> I don't know. It was a very weird thing to do. Like, it was very funny. Just having because it has like a movie. Oh, I, pl- I haven't watched the movie. So it has a movie that plays at the start. Okay. And it looks like... Oh, yeah, that's right. And you It looks there. like a future spy or a... a <laughs> like a, a like a modern military thing. Mm. So it's got that, like, kind of, like, connecting video, like, kind of pinpoints on a map right. and, like, really fun infographics. And it's this, like, half circle... Yeah, that's right. ...screen... And it's just, but but the 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 funniest part is that the clips, they show people in it, are old. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's like 
They were showing Stevie Wonder singing, <laughs> which is cool, but it's like not not relevant. Yeah, yeah. And it says, uh, "As I think it's as old as me." I think it was built in 1989. Yeah, and it's weird that it doesn't go all the way over the like the, the, the pod that you, you can ride, ride little balls. Yeah, up to the top. Yeah, but not over the other side. Yeah, it goes up and stops and goes back down the same way. And it's also just Ericsson. That, like, there was a there was that run of phones, like we lived through. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Where Sony Ericsson was a big deal. was a thing. Yeah, but they're they're still kind of big. Yeah, they're huge here. Yeah, yeah. look, so it's just yeah. kind of a but not for phones for like the technology used to make cell phone towers and stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. bragging about five G. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I'm connecting to that. Um, but yeah, the levels seem cool. All so, right. shall we start? Yeah, of course. Well, to be honest, I already started we, mid. I thought you might have. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the good talk, some talk. Okay, what's your name and what's your game? Um, my name is Roderick McDougall. I'm a game designer. I've been working AAA for uh, seven years now. And five, six of those years are spent um, kind of on the marketing side actually doing like game marketing website marketing for games and then back into game design and you didn't have any marketing yeah no marketing experience at all and i think uh i think my it's funny because you can talk to anybody working in the game industry and everybody's journey is different there's not like oh i went to law school here and you know like there's not this like set path there's like you kind of meander through it I think also just because, like, one of the biggest problems I think the game industry faces is education isn't standardized yet. Right. Like, yeah. no company I've ever met trusts any school. Yeah. Unless they've hired one person from that school. Right. And, and they like, killed oh, it. They, or the recruiter is, like, good or friendly with the school or something. And they're, like, always there. And often it's, like, a local thing. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, we know that's the, those two three schools are one of the good ones. We'll, we can pick candidates. We can right? go yeah. poach a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Because you and I, we both went to AI and graduated yeah. the same same year. year. Yeah, Worked on the same year. same stuff. Same yeah. uh, graduation project. Yeah. Which is called Tiki Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Such a silly name. Yep. I can't believe that game had a cinematic intro. Yeah, built that with Unreal 3 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it was weird because it looked good at the time. Yeah. And then because of the timing of Unity, mm-hmm. at that time, it was a weird shift where we had the best looking project for like two to three years. Yeah, yeah it was really bizarre. <laughs> but do you remember that? I mean, I remember going to like Unity conferences in Vancouver where they were basically pitching, hey, we're starting this new engine. It's a little game maker indie engine, and it's called Unity. And it'd be like the founders are there trying to sell you to to buy Unity and to use it. And like, I looking back, I don't know of too many other like ground floor openings that I could have had or might have been exposed to. Like, mm. um, you know. 
Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of weird. Because you talk to, like, if you go to conferences, you talk to so many people that sound like what they're working on is a scam or is, like, right. not a real thing. Or is going to fail. And then you just got to wait it out. And then you're like, oh, wow, that person, that like... took off. Yeah. <laughs> There's now this big engine called Unity competing directly with... Everybody. Big, everybody, yeah. The big In players. one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we... Um, we went to school together. Different yeah. different classes. Right. Same project? Is that Same project, yeah. Because yeah. it was... <laughs> do you remember the team composition? Oh, God. There's, like, so many designers. There's four programmers. I Just four the numbers are so ridiculous to me. Yeah. It's burned into my head. Four <laughs> programmers, which I was part of. 17 designers. Which is what I was part of. And then, like, eight artists. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We had to find ways, like, we had teams of level designers building levels. And we had, like, well, we just made one of the designers the technical director. Yeah. Because we're like, you know Unreal better than us, and we don't want to do meetings because we're in a rush. Like, right. you'd, you need to you'd, take this role. You need to take this role. Yep. Um, who were talking about Reiner. That's right, yeah. Who I think, like, and when I look at it, I think you and Reiner are definitely the standouts of the of that class. Mm. Uh, like, in the in the design program. So it's definitely, like, a, I always think of you two, like, made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that attrition off that class was huge. Like, well, there was. And you both had not the like core designer roles. Like both of you were like, like I thought you were doing production on it, right? I was like, uh, like production or lead designer. Both like yeah, kinda, it was like it's funny when you get students defining roles and doing it for the first time with a school project. You get these weird blends of things. So, uh, I mean, after the project. Stefan and I talked a little bit about it. He's like, I should have been, you know, he was saying that the role I, he was wanted to do or that he was doing was kind of lead design and the role I was doing was like producer and, but we called each other the different thing. Like he was the producer oh, yeah. and I was the lead designer. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. All projects are fluid. Like even working here at AAA is like the lines between a designer and a producer are always blurred. Mm. It seems. Yeah, and every every game, yeah, based on the personnel, like yeah. based on the culture that's defined there. Yeah, you you have to pick up whatever you can to make the best product or best project. Yeah, and then there comes the pro. At least with us, uh, which has worked out really well, uh, is like we now have a producer who like that's like all they do. Nice. So it's like able to like kind of, and though their role is larger than maybe a traditional producer, talking with parting companies, dealing with merch people, like uh, looking at schedules, kind of uh, even managing like calendars and uh, of like vacations and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, but that that's nice. I like when I don't have a producer, I feel like a little overwhelmed with how much stuff needs to be taken care of. But as soon as you have someone who's like dedicated to that role, mm. they really help out a lot. It's definitely a sense of security. Yeah, like you know, somebody else should be looking looking at this at what I'm working on, so I have confidence that I can just keep on working on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so but, yeah, so but, that was 2000 and 
eight no 2009 we graduated 2009 we graduated March. yeah because we went to school for a year and a half that's right yeah 2000 uh, fall 2007 is when i started which is how i like to i always describe it as like i have like a fake computer science degree <laughs> like I got, I got enough school quick enough that i'd get a job in games mm-hmm. never could work at a bank <laughs> i think i'd have a hard time teaching at a university because they'd be know. like that degree has that. a crease in it because it went through the mail slot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Really fast. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we can't quite make out. <laughs> yeah, but the experience in games is the most valuable part. Like, as soon as you're working, it's like you're it leaps matter. and bounds of, of ahead of anybody at any yeah. school. Maybe not the uh, like the people that made Flow and Journey. Like, they got ascended through school really quickly. But, mm. um, yeah, so what did you do after that? Like, what was 2009, uh, summer? Yeah, so summer 2009. I think it took me a couple months and or weeks, and I started uh, cooking in kitchens. Because like, that's yeah. what I was doing before uh, going to game design school. And, like, it's 2009. Remember, we had the massive recession. Like, Oh, yeah, we graduated we the graduated worst time. We graduated the worst time. One person came to our grad show. Yeah, And exactly. they were from Big Fish. Right. And they refused to play my two-player game. So I had to play my weird two-player game by myself. <laughs> oh, so hard. And I like how many studios closed around that time in Vancouver. Like Radical disappeared. Uh, yeah. United. Though they're still around, which is weird. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Like they're like this Activision tech, Branch. like tech. Mm. From what I understand. I assume I'm not breaking any NDAs of Activision, but I don't really care. They're working like they're like a hot fix kind of like extra programming network stuff. So they kind of hop between projects. I think mostly Call of Duty. Okay. And they still have the sign. They still have the sign right on the SkyTrain on that building. Awesome. (laughs) Um, I think Rockstar moved similar like around then. Like it was a rough. It was like like I got two interviews. Yeah, I didn't get any. I got one with Big Sandwich Games, and they were like, hey, we don't, we can't hire you right now. We like you, but we can't hire you right now. We don't have, we're getting the money, whatever. Yeah, everyone. And then I had one interview with EA. Yeah. um, And uh, didn't get the EA job, and then six months passed, and Big Sandwich was like, okay, we got the money. Let's come work on a kart racer based on this local comic artist <laughs> for the Wii. Oh, what interesting times. <laughs> yeah. I think the beginning like the beginning of the career is kind of maybe the the craziest because you're you're the most willing to like do the crazy risks and no you don't have any everything. of the Yeah, and you don't have the seniority or the experience to like get out of that silly zone. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, and it could have went and and the the weird thing for me is like the those people are the people I knew uh when I heard about Darkest Dungeon. Mm. So I knew Tyler right at the time as well as the uh programmer at the time Kelvin. So I knew roughly what I was getting into with them and liking them. Right. So I could trust that and take the risk for Darkest Dungeon, which if I never met them, maybe I would have never. Yeah, and I was gonna say the like the importance of networking in this industry, 
is like you can't understate it. That's for me. Uh, I mean, I graduated and I applied. There's a contractor working with EA called Volt. Yeah, for testing. QA. Yeah, and I don't know if they're still with us, um, but I did their online test. I was like really keen, followed up with them all the time. I was just telling this crazy story actually to some colleagues yesterday. How I got my first gig in the industry is bizarre. Um, I had done the interview. I got called by the recruiters like. Uh, yeah, we need uh, some QA testers to come in on FIFA on the weekend really quick. Um, and this Was is that when they were given? 2009. They're crunching to get like... Okay, so that's not the... Because I did the EA testing where you get a f- two, like three free games. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't that. <laughs> this is the, the this step like up a, for that. Yeah, no, nah, this was like Volt's <laughs> online, how, you know, like write some bugs for us based on some movies that you watch. Like, here's some footage from a baseball game and it like... It, glit- it glitches out and you have to like write a bug for the glitch and wait like that. wait wait so you're not even playing it no 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 you're not even playing it it's like it's online you're, you're watching to... a video you're filling in forms and writing bugs and you get evaluated based on your bug writing skill oh this is yeah, the test the test yeah okay. for QA I could see a situation where it's like we got the game wizard QA people that break the game, right? And then we got the people that can write repo steps. Mm. I could see That's some probably. I could exactly see some situation where it's like, yeah. yeah. And uh, by the way, like good QA, it's something I would have never guessed. Like good QA is unbelievably valuable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The ability to read a report that clearly tells you how to break it, and for you as a developer to understand what you need to do to fix it is great yeah really important so what type of cooking were you doing before and after school oh like oh man so before school i cooked in everything just like a line cook i I mean i was a cook for 10 years so um bars casual dining fine dining i think my favorite gig was working at a golf course um Mm. in the kitchen there that was a lot of fun because you would do this this mix of like restaurant dinner casual dining but then you'd have these events or weddings that come through so you do like a catering side too if you wanted to go on like a vancouver tour of restaurants you worked at oh actually this is all in alberta in alberta okay so i mean if you were to do a, a tour you would um the golf course is redwood meadows golf course and uh none of this is sponsored by the way okay yeah <laughs> and then uh and then um a restaurant called halo it was like off interesting yeah, yeah yeah like the game <laughs> uh and then my my friend's pub uh the dog maybe that's pub. like maybe they thought you worked on halo yeah maybe like i worked at halo for like three years oh man this is awesome dude, dude just bring this guy in yeah um but I got the call from the recruiter back to the QA thing and he's like, Hey, we need you to get down to the Burnaby office. Can you get there like in an hour? I'm like, yeah, I live like half an hour away. He's like, okay, great. Just go there. And like, if you can sit down in the lobby, that'd be awesome. And we'll like do a training session or something. I'm like, sure. Yeah. This was in the Burnaby. Was this in the like EA campus? Yeah, at the EA campus. Which is gorgeous. And uh, and I didn't have an appointment. I didn't have a point of contact. And I, like, drove up to the security gates, buzzed in. I'm like, I'm here for QA. But there's, like, a pause. 
yeah, come on in. <laughs> and like drive up into the visitor lot. I've never been on campus before. Walk into the like lobby and sit down on these couches and like slowly and gradually a group of people start gathering there. And then someone from the QA organization, I, I, don't, I don't even remember, she comes out and she's like, are, you know, are you guys all here to like do some QA? And the group is like, yeah. And she's like, okay, I got some names here. Let me just read them off. And she reads off some lists of names. And she's like, anybody I miss whose name wasn't on the list? I'm like, me. Like, wow. I'm not on the list. We do not recommend doing this. Yeah. We do not endorse. Not, no, you, this is not. You were invited. You did not just. Right. Muscle your way muscle in. Muscle in. And she's like, okay, uh, follow me. And she crathers up the group of people, walks us out of the lobby, through the doors, into the QA area, sits us down, and she's like, don't leave, don't touch anything, and goes and gets us NDAs and contracts and signs us up right there. So, literally. Well, so, like, what time, like, was it, like, a two-week uh, contract? Or? Yeah, it was, like, a weekend contract. It was, like, literally, this weekend, we need testers to find this hard-to-find bug, and we just need you to play the shit out of this game. Um, <laughs> and we found the bug, like, someone in the group found the bug in, like, four hours or something oh wow and then they canceled our contracts and they're <laughs> like okay we found the bug thanks for making it out we'll pay you for the full day and yeah. uh, or your full contract but you don't need to wow. you don't need to come in this weekend and it was literally like a two-day contract that is and i thought clay getting craigslist testers yeah <laughs> they got testers off craigslist wow to try and get like normie People for lack of a better like, term come in like yeah and uh, I thought that was gonna be the weirdest QA story I heard but <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah and but as soon as as soon as you get your foot in the door right you have a contact you yeah. have like someone to email they have you on well, paper well also you have two more days professional testing experience <laughs> yeah and everybody else. everyone else yeah <laughs> and so um, you know I think I followed up or checked in and it was like maybe a month later they were like oh yeah we actually need you to come in and they gave me like a a two week contract or something okay and, then, and was that like workable with your like cooking like the, the little contracts um as long as they got big enough but then they um there was like a period where it was bad it was like here's here's a contract for four days but we need you only one day a week for the next month kind of stuff oh, okay and so like so you kind of really hop yeah hop back so i ended up working both qa and cooking for a while mm. and i found my way onto this funny test team um, so I did a lot of cooking to fill in like that QA contract and it would come in and it would go. But then I finally found more like, like more, uh, testing hours, like as QA. And it was this funny team that was like the live service QA, I think is what they were called. And we would play the game with players, um, online in like a production environment and try to find production bugs or be present if the servers went down or we lost connection so that we could report a bug right away. But I did a graveyard shift, so I'd be doing this like through the middle of the night. My 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 shift would start at like 10 p.m. and go to 6 a.m. or something. But you were like playing that. with like local people. 
Yeah, but or whoever, whoever. Yeah, yeah, like on the production server. So I'd be playing FIFA or NHL or NBA that night or whatever it was through the night with whoever's up. You know, like Europe, Japan. <laughs> you got to kill. You got to kill serve. that dad hours. Yeah, <laughs> like there's that like dads. I, I know, like played games like Saturday morning. Right, and so you could just yeah. destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did that for, like, I don't know. The whole QA thing feels like a year, but I think looking back on it, it was, like, like eight months weeks. or six months or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, but I would, I would like, I'd go and I'd, I'd start working at, like, 4 p.m. at Cactus Club in Burnaby. Yeah. And I'd... Um, Which is, like, a weirdly, like, it's, like, a weirdly high-regarded restaurant. Yeah. Like, it, it's tasty there. Yeah. Yeah, like, like it, it always um, ranks high in like local reviews, mm-hmm. but has a disdain from anybody who doesn't like chains because it's like oh, yeah. it's the it's the like it's the top chain. Yes, yeah. Um, and it doesn't really do any one thing; kind of does everything. Like right. you can get like a dynamite roll, yeah, and exactly. like linguine, yeah, and like a burger, right. Um, and they had like questionable hiring practices of their waitresses, from what I hear. Yes. Um, but still, or every, if you like read their consistency the consistency is amazing for hiring. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. It's a how weird did this like franchise get the same looking women constantly. It's it's a yeah. very strange <laughs> restaurant, but it would be one that like everybody in Vancouver would yeah have yeah have an opinion. Yeah, I remember I went to one and they had a rotating toilet seat. Oh yeah, that's right. With the and plastic that comes over, like top. it flipped inside. Oh weird! Like, so it like clean the other one. Oh, oh so you get yeah, like yeah. a fresh toilet seat, yeah. assuming it was cleaned in the in the I void. Think, yeah, exactly. And I think that was always like part of their like shtick. Almost is like Cactus Club has crazy bathrooms because they're it, always. It's like a weird thing where like I I feel like it. I don't know what the equivalent is in like other cities. Maybe a cheesecake factory. Yeah. If it didn't have cheesecake, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my girlfriend's from California, so like a yard house um, is kind of seems kind of similar. It's but more it's something. Place, but it's, it's something like, where it's like it's trying to be a little too fancy. Yeah. Like it's not an Applebee's. No. It's not a Denny's. It's like it's trying to be like a like like almost like, like a almost cake. a steakhouse yeah, if it didn't serve any steak. Yeah, we had a very few steaks. Yeah, lots of chicken. <laughs> yeah, the big yeah. yeah 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 the chicken the chicken entree was good, but the, yeah so I'd work there from like four to nine p.m. and then take an hour to get back to the studio and start my QA at ten p.m. and work <laughs> through the night and then at six a.m. go home and sleep. And let's get up at like 2 p.m. and I'm definitely um, I was very adamant that I was not going to do QA because one of the weird parts of going to a school we went to mm. is that they were like you'll get a job like they were yeah. they were like you're going to get a job we get you jobs that's why we're who we are right that's why and, you pay us the big money. and a lot of the schools were like that mm. like most like private schools are going to advertise jobs yeah because it's almost like a trade. Like, it's like, go to our school, and then you'll get a job, because we have these percentages. But the jobs they were offering me, Mm. I was so mad at. Mm. There's nothing against these jobs, but you go to a school to try and be a game developer. Yeah. You don't expect to get jobs at an Apple store. 
Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is what you meant. Yeah. So I guess the advice in hindsight would be, can I hear about some of the, like, I would like, like a list oh, of the yeah. jobs that you've gotten. Because if I took that Apple store job, yeah. they would have put me in the, they would have been like, oh, one of our graduates got a job in the first six months. Oh, man. Right? That's so. So okay. it was like, which is weird because I got my job like six, like seven months. Mm-hmm. I made my weird Xbox Live indie game. Yeah. Um, it was a great summer. So I just played Killzone. And Burnout, Killzone 2 and Burnout Paradise. Played basketball, made my weird indie game, worked at a camping store. I was still living at home because I just went straight out of high school. Okay, nice. So I was just like, I'm just going to keep applying for jobs in yeah. this terrible recession. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I had to do something. And I got my job and then I worked for about like two months and then got laid off right before Christmas. Oh, damn. <laughs> and then... I, I and I worked on the definitely the worst game, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I like a lot of Activision games. So not trying to speak down on them. Second time bringing it up, Activision published a Wipeout mm-hmm. game. Uh, like the the it's a it's a physical. It's still on. It's a physical uh, and not Wipeout the Play- great PlayStation right. techno racing game. Okay. No, 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 this was Wipeout colon the game. The, based okay. on the reality show, what? So based on based on the um, it's a reality show in which they get a bunch of people, often not athletes, okay, to do an obstacle course oh, okay. that is designed for you to fail. Right. And the problem is, is the appeal of the show is that you fail. Right. You see people fast just people out, bouncing, bouncing off balls, face tiny, yeah, like people getting yeah. punched. They have the thing yeah. where you get punched in the face. <laughs> Uh, like that, it's, it's like a whack a mole. It's like a reverse yeah. whack a mole. So there's a bunch of holes with fists in them, oh, and you got to kind of like climb. And then, oh, this guy got punched oh. and fell into the water. So it's not a game that, like, like a player would enjoy. Yeah, because the fun of the show is watching you fail, and it's right. not really like unless it was like the EA Skate kind of bone breaking thing, right. where that was its own mini game. Unless it was right. like that. Which they're not going to make that game. No. Um, <laughs> so I worked on the DS port uh-huh. of uh, that. Because it was a Wii one. Right. Which Giant Bomb did a great quick look of. was way funnier. I worked on the DS version of that. Because I think my company, I think Big Sandwich didn't want to lose me. Mm. So, so they were like, we'll subcontract him. Okay. So he doesn't go get work somewhere else. Right. God, that was terrible game it was a terrible game what ended up happening to big sandwich uh so then we made a, a fantastic almost moba before moba uh local multiplayer before local multiplayer was popular psn game called horde, horde um, yeah. in which you play as a dragon that's and, right yeah uh do dragon shit loved it i think it's it's weird like it's a weird game. Uh, I like. I mean, like I enjoyed cool working board on it. Game aesthetic to it. Like yeah, tiles. which I. I mean, I would have. Um, I mean, a lot of people have opinions about the horde art. Yeah. I would have doubled down on the board games. Yeah. I would have removed the anime. Like I would have mm-hmm. made it so they don't animate and they melt when they get hit by the fire. Like really make it goofy yeah. with hands and rulers and <laughs> like really make it be it's a board game. Because um, we actually ran into a problem with the, like, table rendering. <laughs> oh, take it up too much. <laughs> like, that became a thing. Uh, 
it was like yeah i don't know but that's what the pieces are supposed to mm. like it's supposed to look like a board game that's why they have the little warhammer yeah but, but it was nice. super fun to work on and it came out on playstation and psp go so like only mm. digital psp as well as steam uh yeah. which uh was good it was a fun party game like i'd have you know friends over we'd play some horde it was good fun yeah like I, I think it was a fun and and also it's part of the like platform selection like sony uh wanted us to make that game so it was like props to them but at the time like how many playstation like even think to yourself how many playstation uh downloadable games did you buy on the ps3 that did not have the word pixel drunk or um right. were made by the journey people yeah exactly yeah that yeah, game company yeah which yeah there's another there's a this game company i hate that title okay but that game company that game company Better. um like so it's just it, and whereas like now i feel like if you're on the uh like a lot of people would would consider like even now the switch is the hot yeah the hot is the platform. hot indie game and it's like oh no like if you're like oh no i i didn't pick the switch two years ago right yeah (laughs) you might be regretting decisions but um so yeah that was kind of my like two years after uh school and then that that became a mobile company so Mm -hmm. big sandwich became part of a mobile company called z2 okay which uh at the time uh was a great mobile company they had one of the top 20 ios apps Mm in battle nations nice. um they eventually got bought by king okay and then they king got bought by activision wow. bring it all around there's yeah. a lot of activision talk in this podcast Apologies. <laughs> That's all good. um but i <laughs> left the company after working on like a mobile racing game mm-hmm. uh which is no longer available which is like messed up yeah like digital lasts forever usually or like yeah but not in mobile it's like a weird thing where like you don't want to look like you have games that uh, yeah, are not popular the latest thing and you don't want to see like a whole bunch of old games and we got crushed by uh, uh, the EA race game <laughs> yeah the um, uh, oh, I forget it what was it called it's made in Australia in Melbourne Fire Monkeys yeah that that EA real, racing game real racing. was like there you go kill like it was like, like we saw the videos were like oh it looks so good <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah when i left that I, I did a little bit of uh indie contracting on a platformer which is still not out oh it's basically this two-person it? team roughly has been making yeah. a, a platformer for the last eight years 3d eight platformer years. and it's nuts like it's got it's it's uh, it's a very this person is trying to make something that competes with, like, Mario. Wow. And is somehow pulling it off with, like, a two-person team. Like, it's a very technically sound platformer. Huh. Okay. was called Epic Little Dude. Mm-hmm. It's called something else now. Uh, I'll have to watch for it. You'll have to let me know when it gets released. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really funny. Like, I want to see my name in the credit. Yeah, Because like, I worked there for about three months and then decided to join... With the dark dungeon people, mm. so that was kind of my weird, like path around <laughs> path making, making a variety of games, uh, and then working on Darkest Dungeon for about as long as I worked on all those other games put together. Because it's all so, it'll be yeah. five years this five years. October or this December. Yeah. Uh, 
early career like yeah lots of you just do whatever it takes to survive and to like keep your foot in the door so you kept taking these testing jobs yeah so i took the testing job for a little bit and then uh reiner actually recommended me he got a job um because reiner is more technically skilled than i am Mm. um so generally who ended up working at uh eve yeah exactly in iceland (laughs) yeah and now he's back in uh vancouver yeah yeah but no longer working on games he's working on like chat stuff it's kind of a sad part of, um, like, you go to those game schools, yeah, and you're kind of like, oh, like everybody, like everybody's gonna be in the industry. It'll be so cool, and then yeah. it's like, oh, it's like reality. A lot of people don't like doing it. A lot of the times, there's mm-hmm. not like, yeah. there's other opportunities. Like, I there's mm-hmm. people that I know have been working on like um, casino games, yeah, and it's it's like that's where they got their career, and that's where they've kind of. If they found some stability, yeah. yeah, yeah, they can count on it. And like Nick yeah. was doing a lot of mobile stuff, right? Yeah, uh, with um, he was with Kabam for a bit. Yeah, yeah. So they got bought out by somebody, didn't they? Or I think so. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he might have been working at that this game company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Reiner recommended me at UFG um, to work on Sleeping Dogs. Yes. So, uh, That's a, the, outside of Darkest Dungeon, there's the game you've heard of yeah. <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah, exactly, listening to this. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, and worked on that for a year, but uh, then Activision, the other theme throughout this podcast, canceled the I like the, the idea that that might... Because uh, this might be the one podcast, not that I plan on saying anything like wild, but it's it's like the one where I could see somebody being like, this shouldn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> but there's enough yeah. Activision slander in here. Yeah, you might, can, yeah dig through it. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me know if I need to take this down or if I need to give it to anybody to <laughs> review. No, um, I think it's fine. We're here at Dice, and you yeah. know, so great studio, beautiful studio. I don't yeah. know if I'm breaking NDA. Nicest studio I've been in. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> or well, not that I did anything. A lot of awards. Yeah, I painted that. Yeah, wall. we're in this beautiful yeah. like <laughs> top floor solarium. Like it looks like um, like you know, have you seen that Netflix show, The Most Amazing Homes in All the World? I've seen it. I haven't watched it. Like it's fantastic a show. It's good. This seems like one of those places a room where they'd come in and be like oh my god this is amazing because it's at the it's like the top floor of a building in stockholm in the like hipster district yeah on sudermom i don't the whole island seems kind of hipstery it's not that hipstery though okay like i read a google thing that was like the williamsburg of switzerland and i haven't been to williamsburg to yeah. be fair but i've been high. to portland yeah i've been to seattle i live in vancouver right and i'm like when no, does it it's get not, it's not quite like that <laughs> no yeah there's still like a lot of lagom is a saying here in sweden it means like just enough not too much don't be offensive yeah like like yeah. the tour guy was making fun of how hipster it was and i was like oh yeah like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get some good coffee and some thrift stores and that's yeah. like i found a couple thrift stores and a Swedish uh, person at one of the cinnamon bun places, which are amazing. Yeah, she was explaining to me that that they don't have dark roast, and I was like, "That's fine." Yeah, like normally I get to in my head, I'm like, normally I get to choose, and I choose dark roast, but apparently it's like a Swedish thing. Uh, Uh, 
With the brewed coffee, it's like, oh, you just get the brewed coffee. But they brew it strong here. It's good. Know. It's yeah. fine. It's Yeah, it's good. The coffee's good. But also, it's like, I don't know what the reputation of European countries are for mm. coffee, but it's like, I've been to Seattle. Yeah, right. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Like, I know I'm not, like... Yeah, yeah I think Swedes might have a reputation for top coffee consumers in the world. Like, they drink a ton of coffee. Um, and there are some good coffee places, um, but actually I find they brew it too strong, like, for brewed coffee. And then... Uh, you gotta... Come on. You can't... You gotta be hard in... It's the when you're North working, American in Europe, you gotta, know, like, not... You don't want to be why they made an Americano. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> I can't escape it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, and it's like it's what six p.m. seven p.m. Sun's starting to kind of go down. Yeah, you forget. Yeah. I forget that I'm on a different part of the world, like far north. So yeah. it's like the sun it is isn't different. the same schedule. Yeah, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I think uh, we are because I look it up sometimes to understand. I think we're like <laughs> on par, like on the same level as like White Horse. Oh, uh, okay. That, that kind of like far yeah. north. Yeah, or like it's definitely Anchorage. not fun to fly to. Yeah, <laughs> a long flight. And Condor, who's not sponsoring, <laughs> delayed flight, maybe miss my connection. Damn. It. I'm not flying out of. I'm going down to Paris. Okay. Because uh, I'm. Well, I'm a quarter Swedish mm-hmm. and a quarter French. So oh, that's nice. why so like, I'm here. Oh, okay. Visiting. Uh, why well, I'm interviewing you is why I'm here. <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. At, at, no, this the. It's. I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go because I couldn't. Like it was like a last minute vacation mm-hmm. work thing. So I was like, who can I interview that lives in a cool place? I saw Crazy Rich Asians. I have a Singapore friend. I was like, a Singapore game dev. I was like, oh, I'd go out to Singapore. And I was like, oh, the flight's even longer. <laughs> like um, 20 hours. But it's yeah. like all the flights were going to have to go back to Germany. Mm. And Frankfurt. I hate that airport. Yeah, it seems like the Newark of Europe. It's awful. <laughs> it's is, like, is, you need to plan a two-hour layover there. And you're not going to get your connection. Yeah, and twice. It was like, I'm sure. it, the joking. Well, I mean, I love going to Europe, but the Europe's it's like, it's like, I didn't even say anything. I looked at my passport. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Though the funniest part was it was a UK guy that was mm. trying to cut the line because he had a <laughs> he had a flight he had to catch and right. it was like we're all on the it's eleven thirty we're all on a twelve o'clock flight so yeah but he wasn't allowed to use the EU line oh <laughs> nice he had to be in here with us yeah plebs <laughs> Canadians and New Zealanders <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that EU line so is I, but I can nice. get a direct flight that's like half the price from Paris. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's the do way. It. I think if I was to do this trip again, I'd fly into London. Yeah. Come over. Mm, yeah. Because those flights are cheap and nothing. With my girlfriend being from California, we can find great price direct flights from L.A. to Stockholm. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, with uh, Norwegian Air. Mm. Yeah, they're really good. Round trip's like 500 bucks or something. It's like the like first so uh, positive Norwegian thing I've heard, heard. in Sweden yeah. this whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was trying to look. I was trying to be like, oh, like, what if I go to Toronto? Because like, mm. it's like different countries have different... Yeah, but flying in and out of Canada is so crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, 
but I'm here. wasn't It wasn't too bad. It actually helped offset the jet lag. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't as sleepy. Speaking of that, what were you doing on Sleeping Dogs? <laughs> nice. Um. So on Sleeping Dogs, I was a Living World designer, and um, I got to like play with the pedestrians, and, like build their population density, put down their AI pathing. Um, I would, we had this like cool system that would mix and match their heads and bodies. And so we could like create, I got to play dolls. Like I, I got to be like, Oh, okay. We're going to make a population of business people for downtown Hong Kong and put them together. And then, um, uh, you know, like, Hey, this is the party district. Let's make a whole bunch of young looking people who are, and we had like crazy controls too. We could, um, vary the density by time of day and even vary which like heads and bodies we spawned in hmm. based on time of day, so I could. So you could make like uh, I could make downtown, yeah, or like downtown look uh, full of business people during the day, then at night sparse and full of like party goers. It was like really cool, and then uh, set up the stores and the store cameras and uh, inventory for the stores and um, some of the like points of interest for the pedestrians that like be walking down the street and there's these markers where they're like you can place them in the world and um it would play some animation set and something like that so that's how we got them to stop and take a look at a store shelf or something and then leave the store and walk along their path again do all that kind of cool stuff and now that sounds like like the way you look right now that that was enjoyable it was i like for the first design i felt like i was building something putting a little bit of myself into the game um and uh like crafting something it was just really it was a lot of fun it was really good and also like one of the reasons i didn't take the design program uh was just because like i was scared what that first that that first design job was gonna suck yeah, I think the, that it was like, going to be the first design job for me was QA. Like, yeah, it's kind like, of <laughs> like I was worried. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be on like I'm going to be designing like arenas in right, like it, yeah, like a sports game. And I was like, oh, I'll be doing that for years. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's cool that yeah. like you did your QA. Yeah, I paid my QA dues. Yeah. Did that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the project was canceled, but later picked up by Square Enix. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... Which is, still to this day, one of the craziest things. Yeah, that does not happen often. Like, a project being canceled. That, and like, that Activision was like, not worth the marketing budget. We're going to cut our losses 50 yeah. million in whatever the but like like yeah third, the like guy, the tens game was like million percent done and this was like the hot studio which vancouver yeah. has had a, a few like propaganda right yeah propaganda uh, where it's like radical. these huge studios with all of this money and they're like hiring and hiring and they got this beautiful office and then it's like when's their game coming out Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's happened. I think a few times, or they get big enough and then they get bought by EA or something. Yeah, like or black box, Microsoft, or, or something Microsoft. like. Yeah. yeah, like it's kind of a. So when they don't, <laughs> so when they don't get bought, it's like, like oh, it's like, oh, yeah, what's like, going on? Here? Like that Pirates of the Caribbean game never right. came out. Yeah, and, and and Chris Brass of the like art director and Brooks Gordon the like technical animator on Dark's Dungeon, they worked at Propaganda. Oh yeah, so it's like hearing those stories and going, this sounds like 
Yeah. Didn't, didn't a lot of that tech that they built get bought by Ubisoft? That's and the then put word on the street. Like, yeah. Uh, I had somebody flag. tell me that, and it was weird because I was like, I know people that worked on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've had someone working at Propaganda tell me that. Yeah. Or who worked there. But yeah, that's kind of yeah, the, the rumor with that. And I, I don't remember like reading or hearing about any like official sort of purchase like how like how does it even happen like i think you auction it off i, I mean like maybe. um uh speaking of uh nordic scandinavian game devs mm-hmm. uh thq nordic bought the rights to time splitters right so yeah. you're just sitting there and you're like got a bunch of stuff and you're just trying to salvage whatever, whatever money you can. you can get out of this situation so yeah that's true. Yeah, some of those, yeah. the IPs do go on auction. I was thinking about that. Like, I was kind of thinking when I heard Time Splitters because that's something I have nostalgia for. Mm. And it's like, how much did that cost? Yeah. Like, could I get the Way of the Samurai IP? <laughs> like, can I could be out there? Right? Yeah. Like, what does it cost to get the Columns IP? <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess yeah. Sega's probably not going to let go of that, but. Maybe not. Yeah, but like, maybe they're willing. Like, yeah. yeah and where like does one where does one go to shop IP? Yeah, <laughs> like I want to get in those. Yeah, like let me know if anything's. Yeah, because <laughs> what does it cost? Because like Atari mm. was selling off their IP, and apparently it was going really cheap. Mm-hmm. Like something like the Spy Hunter IP was mm-hmm. like hundreds of dollars or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I yeah, just thinking about like what kind of games from my childhood do I have nostalgia for? And I, the first thing that came to mind, funny enough, was the Captain Planet game, uh, like that was on Nintendo. <laughs> so that's gonna come with the cartoons. So that's gonna be a little yeah, bit more probably. pricey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. So, um, so, so you were there during the like change of hands? Well, yeah, I was contractor design doing that work, and then so our contractor our contract ended, and so I was laid off um, with the project being canceled. And I was unemployed for about six months or so, and then just like really starting to panic about like <laughs> what yeah. what a, I'm gonna have to go back to cook, cooking, and um, and then uh, Robert Ling. Uh, recommended me for this job at EA and he was working with a web development team in the marketing organization and like ran into him building the the FIFA websites um, to market the game but also like we you know we have the FUT web app that's available online and so it's uh, a platform for that web app to sit in and uh, and he recommended me for this contract job because they just they needed a, a content manager to basically build their website with the tools and coming out of like game design I'm handy with software tools like you can put me in front of something and I'll learn how to use it the best I can and um, yeah I just started building FIFA marketing websites uh, for first little bit and then that like that's like early early days of communication or like organization within EA and that that's undergone a tremendous amount of um evolution over the last six years and just in games in general like how we talk about how gaming's become more and more mainstream and yeah. like and then the rise especially of access of internet and like how yeah. how do you want to read about or find information about the games that are coming out and and the whole like shift from doing that from official sources to doing that with like no I want to hear from community or like influencers to tell me about um, 
what they felt when they were hands-on. I don't want to, you know, I, I trust the, the player more, or like the person who's hands-on more than I trust the corporate line that comes out. So mm. there's like, there's been this huge shift there. And um, that was, that's like a ton of reorgs and uh, which is probably breaking an NDA, <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, really interesting time. And I'm really grateful for it. It gave me a ton of experience. I, I was able to grow in that role and mm. take on more management and more like strategic planning and working closer with the product marketing guys and and like taking their strategies and, and flushing them out on the web. But it gave me insight on the other half of the business. Like yeah. the, there's always this fight, uh, like anywhere you go, the the like the two nemesises are developers and marketing like always and uh to see the other side of the business uh was really refreshing and i think like a great experience well also in a in a situation where you're gonna your work's going to be in play around the world yeah and in all these countries and all of these people have seen my work and and in an already established thing yeah so there's going to be i imagine there's some amount of how like it's it's easier in a game like fifa probably to go how good of a job did we do mm-hmm. because you have this lineage you have right people that's yeah. jobs are probably to exp- like set expectations and and kind of all that whereas like it's it can be a bit tough in the like indie world because it's like outside of getting on storefronts uh yeah. how, how much value was that how like is it like it's it's just more do- and everything's a lot more like if it's the first ip right like the first game in an ip then like how how do you judge that stuff yeah I, I mean, certainly there's like a lot of momentum and clout that you get when working with a giant franchise. And it's, I don't know, it's like stage fright almost because um, you don't want to fuck it up. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, yeah, you don't want to, well, I mean, yeah, the competition's not what it once was. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> in, in some of these franchises. So, yeah, some kind of juggernauts now that you kind of like. Yeah, I can, I can imagine being very stressful working on like. Yeah, and there's like hard FIFA was when winning 11 was like. Mm. Like in the PS2 ages when yeah. it was like an actual competition. Right. Yeah, I imagine a lot more stressful. Yeah, that probably was. Yeah. So that was 2011, I think. Is yeah, when I was it was it your idea to bring Drake on stage during the press conference? No, yeah, not my idea. Okay. <laughs> that moment. <laughs> um, but then uh, I've always wanted to get back from marketing back into game dev. Mm-hmm. So I spent the last five years trying to do that four years within the marketing org so you but you were at ea burnaby yeah ea burnaby working on fifa yeah um and then there just came a point where i was like okay i need to work on something else um and started working on battlefield so uh battlefield hardline yeah still in burnaby um working still with websites but then changing the product so uh, working more with Battlefield, and then um, and then an opportunity came up to uh, help be like an ambassador between the marketing communi- communications like web team 
and dice in Stockholm. Because what what is what do you mean? Like, did you just get an email? Uh, no, I didn't just get an email. I mean, um, do you guys have like a mini like reality show? No, kinda? it was more like like I I was always really upfront and honest with my managers. Like, hey, I want to get back into game development. I have that background. Surprising how well that works. Yeah, <laughs> when you're honest with people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when you're honest with your managers. Like, yeah, it works out pretty good. Yeah, and so they knew. Oh, hey, like. We want to make a, you know, we want a better relationship with Dice, um, like EA to Dice relationship, that kind of publisher to studio relationship. And there's a nine-hour time zone difference, and we need somebody over there who can advocate for us as web developers, but also understands game development and the work that goes in there. And it was like Roderick could do that, and so they they asked me like, hey. Would you relocate to Sweden? <laughs> what was that decision process like? Um, what did you know about Sweden beforehand? Like nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was probably actually one of those people in the population who confused Sweden with Switzerland. When I went to Switzerland, same thing. Yeah. Got it mixed up, even yeah. though I'm a quarter Swedish. Right. It just kind of Mix it up. But then once I went to Switzerland, I'm like, okay, that's... Oh, that's Switzerland. Yeah. That's Switzerland. Everything else is Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. And really quickly, you kind of get out of that. So I started doing some research. But um, it's funny the way life works sometimes. Um, My boss at United Front Games, Mm -hmm. uh, when he got married, he asked me to be one of his groomsmen. So I joined his groomsmen. And I met my girlfriend for the first time at his wedding. What? What? Wow. So, like... And you guys were that your boss, yeah, like my manager, my like lead <laughs> designer, yeah, like you get along wow. well, you make good relationships with the the people. I mean, definitely in, in like indie, we're like very close, I, yeah, even close. with people I've never worked with, mm. um, just because you spend so much time traveling and going on trips and all that. Uh, but that's just that's just. <laughs> Like a whole other, yeah. And you met, and you met your. I met my girlfriend at their wedding. She had done the planning. She catched the bouquet execution. No, I don't think she did. Uh, She was she was married at the time. Oh, scandalous! (laughs) Yeah, Um, and so years later, uh, she's divorced and ready to date again. And then uh, they set us up actually. And so, knowing you were going to Sweden, no, this is before going to Sweden, but not much like four or five months before getting the offer so this is going back to that question like what was that decision process like and it it went like this it was like well i'm really happy with my girlfriend i will go to sweden but only if i can bring her with me wow and so um you know having great managers um being honest with people always right and they helped me work that out with the company and wow but then the conversation I had to have with Heather was, hey, uh, if you want to come, do you want to come to Sweden with me? Wait, which one, Jude? Right, you start with, like... You asked... Yeah, yeah, you want to come... Yeah. No, well, I asked you, her first. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, do you want to come to Sweden? Because <laughs> I, you know... Well, I'm, I would love to, like, go there. This opportunity has yeah. come up. Like, what is that? You know, what do you think about that? And she's in California. We're not even living together. I'm in Vancouver. She's in Anaheim. Yeah. And and it's like, uh, yeah, because she had wanted to live outside of the U.S. for a little bit, do some traveling, work abroad. Yeah. And so 
that kind of fit for her. And so then the next the next thing is like, okay, well, uh, you need to move in with me because we kind of have to live together for like, oh, six thought... months oh, before okay. like we can apply for a visa here. I together. thought you would have just been like, we'll just figure it out in Sweden. No, yeah, yeah, but no, um, yeah, we had to live together and our visas are all joined together here and everything, so. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so that decision process was like. So did you move to L.A. or? No, she moved to Vancouver. Yeah, because it's probably then, easier to immigrate yeah, from Canada. Canada. She was just on a visitor visa. There's yeah. no, there was no like. No, but like to Sweden. Oh, like, yeah. It's probably like, I imagine it's. It's, yeah, an easier. Yeah. Yeah, as an expat, a Canadian expat in Sweden, Sweden's not an overly weird place. Like, universal healthcare? No. Oh, yeah, yeah it makes sense to me. It's very. It's all socialist. Um, yeah, policies. it's definitely similar. Yeah. It's weird not seeing tall towers. Yeah. It seems like yeah. Sweden really likes the eight story building everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, well, like, it's a totally different mentality. Yeah. Here, it's it's like reuse the buildings that you have yeah whereas north america is like let's put up a new one and yeah. so uh like there's a, a smattering of new buildings but as we look towards like the old town of stockholm it's like all those buildings are from the 1400s 1500s and stuff and they're like untouched they're still the the same thing from that time period which is really cool do you I think. think it made it easier moving to like a new place living with somebody who doesn't like also is new yeah yeah i think uh having yeah definitely um having moving with somebody is was awesome because you kind of have a friend to go and do these experiences with or have these experiences with um but then uh, some of the expats that I've met here, maybe the most integrated of them are those who have met people here and like had mm. relationships with them. Like, yeah. so like the expat who then starts dating a Swede and then those people, uh, those expats integrate a lot better though. I mean, it's probably also, uh, not, uh, it's not the, uh, it probably is different in every city and every city probably has these things. Mm. But my g- general guess is that it's going to be very difficult to, like, be single here not being blonde and tall. Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> I, I, yeah. But maybe right. that's normalized, and maybe they see my curly hair, and it's like, oh, wow, there's not a lot of that. Like, I've yeah. seen three people with curly hair my entire... Right. Uh, not to be, like, overly stereotypical, <laughs> but the men and women here are beautiful. so i bet it's probably nice moving here with a partner not having to worry about that right yeah because i've I've read like there's some english only news or expat news and every so often there's like a recurring article like how to date in sweden like meet people in stockholm sort of thing so i get the sense that it's like difficult to be riding a bike you gotta (laughs) yeah or something but i the swedes are a bit more like reserved um they're they're friendly, but it's not like when we moved into our apartment, it wasn't like our direct neighbors came knocking on the door and like, hey, howdy, you just yeah. moved into the building, you know, how are you doing? Here's some like cookies. Yeah, like, that's it was. Not... Uh, I was I was I went to this uh, restaurant that had a long wait time 
assuming because I was like, oh, I'm by myself. Mm. Should just be able to get a sneak right in spot at the bar. Yeah, boom. But it wasn't that way, so I had to sit next to this um, couple that was. It seemed like we're on a. I I just the guy was really annoying. Oh, and he was American. Not that all Americans are annoying, but there was just something about every conversation they had that I eavesdropped the whole thing. Right, uh, was very annoying. <laughs> but they were mentioning something about how in like Sweden it's like they don't talk to your neighbors till after a year. Like it's like a thing yeah. where it's like there's a vetting period for <laughs> there like, is. how yeah. friendly of a neighbor I'm going to be. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because yeah. I don't want to talk to my neighbors normal like at all <laughs> there's no vetting period limited yeah. about like i just don't want to talk to random uh people outside of my podcast maybe my podcast fulfills enough random <laughs> conversations but meet enough, meet enough people yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah there's like this uh um, cultural thing that's like hey you just don't want to impose on people and you don't want to you don't want to up like you don't know how you might upset them, so you just don't do anything because then, you know you, they might take offense to something. Like, so um, yeah, I think that it's like the pace here is a lot slower in general as well, and I think part of it is like the yeah, people who walk them fast. People like are I'm a fast, fast walker, and I'm yeah. not passing people, and I'm like, this is great. Yeah. People are moving at the speed I want to move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People walk quickly here, but I mean, like, um, do they assume you speak Swedish? Uh, some sometimes I do because I've practiced some Swedish enough to not be totally rude mm-hmm. when I'm like because a hundred percent of the time everybody's spoken Swedish to me. Oh wow! And then I just shake my head and then go, "Sorry, I don't speak yeah. Swedish." And and then everyone speaks English. <laughs> yeah, and they, they speak excellent they, English. Yeah, yeah and it's a funny. It. They say it's a funny accent, and the the W trip up is uh the is uh yeah. tricky. Like he was trying to say that wheel was on the menu. The veal. And I was like, wheel? wheel like a wheel yeah, of cheese? A wheel of cheese, yeah. The, the, uh, the veal. Yeah. Because they're, they're, it's, yeah, it's a bit weird. It's yeah. like the V makes a W sound and the W makes a V sound. It's all yeah. mixed up. Um, but but I you lo- feel I love it here. Yeah. yeah. It's safe. It's clean. And and then, uh, like, we just had our first kid. So, yeah. like, if it was a bus, which is crazy. Huh? You rode the bus to the hospital. Yeah, I rode the bus to the hospital. That's right. Yeah. So we live... We There's a ton of hospitals around Stockholm, and so you're yeah. never really too far from the hospital. Yeah. I think there's like four in the area. Yeah, and they are like, kind of more spread out. Yeah, there's like one in the north, one in the south, another one further in the south, another one a little like southeast, I think. So there's... You're always kind of close to a hospital, and um, and the um, the way it works here for like childbirth and labor is your last couple weeks, your last maybe trimester of pregnancy, you already have picked a hospital and you've started a rapport with them, and you can call them directly and be like right into the labor ward and t- speak with a midwife or a nurse and be like, hey, I'm you know it's hurting today or I'm in, I'm having contractions. And they, they may bring you in. They may be like, oh, just stay at home sort of thing. And um, so the care here is a bit different. It's not like, 
oh, I'm, I, I think I'm going in labor and you rush off to the hospital. It's like, oh, I think I'm going in labor. And they'll be like, okay, you know, you're 10 minutes away. You can chill at home for the next six hours. You don't need to be like in the hospital freaking out. Why don't you just relax? And, you know, when, when it gets a little bit more intense, you know, come, come in. But in our case, we had a, a scheduled C-section because um, the baby hadn't like turned around. So we knew it's, it's, it's like one trade-off is like, hey, surprise, you're going to be a parent sometime. You mm-hmm. don't know when. And the, the other one is like, oh, we have this scheduled at 7 a.m. today. You're going to become a parent. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's a bit weird on, the, on your mind. Um, but ours was a scheduled C-section. So we, yeah, we just rode the bus in. Like, <laughs> yeah, we took the bus to the Which hospital. it doesn't seem that weird riding the transit here. It's great. It's so smooth, yeah. And we were close to the hospital anyway, so yeah. we just needed to walk to the end of our street, basically. Hop on the bus and... So know, how many passports does your kid have? Uh, he'll have two. And then, I mean, I want to be Swedish and then hopefully give him his third. So he he's like American, Canadian, and then hopefully Swedish. Oh, he doesn't get a Swedish passport? No, Not no. Swe- yeah, when you're Where? born in the European Union, you're passport is based on your parentage and since we're canadian and swedish or sorry canadian and american then he's canadian and american he's not swedish hmm. yeah hmm. and yeah that's different than u.s and canada where it's like oh you're born here you're canadian yeah yeah huh i'm always jealous of the people with multiple passports yeah it seems like the thing you want to get right because you can't get it yeah like, it seems like it'd be a huge, but it's like you could have never set foot in that country and yeah have their passport and then kind of switch out the passports mm. depending on what, what you <laughs> preference, needed. I guess. Like, yeah, like, like yeah. American passport coming into America, <laughs> right, exactly. coming out. Like. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that not? No, they're, they're kind of like, because uh, <laughs> we're reading up on all this stuff because yeah, we're like, okay. Yeah. We, we have just... family in the U.S. and family in Canada, and even though the, those two countries are really close to, to like each other in relationships, but their websites are saying, like, if you're coming into the U.S. and you have a U.S. passport, use it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into Canada, use the Canadian one. So, mm-hmm. like, that kind of swapping. Uh, might, I guess so, if we're, like, seeing the, can- the family between. But, yeah, we'd swap. <laughs> so you took the... Yeah, so took I took the, took the, the job. job. Yeah, moved to Sweden. Moved to Sweden. Uh, worked for a year, two years. Yeah, two years, kind of doing the uh, maybe no three years, doing the um, website stuff for Battlefield, Mirror's Edge, and then um, and then a- applied like an internal transfer and uh, transferred into game design again on the dev Sweet. team. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so really roundabout. Because now you're now I'm a doing... game designer on Battlefield Five, which is like awesome. So like fun. that's uh, such an interesting path to working at what many people and myself would consider like a small list flagship studio. Like there's only a certain amount of studios like this that are making huge games with like their own tech yeah 
and kind of that you that will be like I don't know a marquee game of whenever it comes out mm. and and now you're doing game design on yeah. one of those games yeah it, it's been an incredible journey and it's been a fun one too yeah yeah because yeah, you've got all this different experience now yeah and I think that's I think that's like that's what's fun about our industry right like you can like we were saying it's not it's not the education you don't ever really lock in it's ever it's always about your experience and kind of what you bring to the table as a personality hmm. um, not so much like for training so much it's also tough it's tough to like it's tough to really move around how you want to move around like as a game developer like you can't just be like I want to work on if you're like I want to work on The Last of Us or or The Last of Us or I want to work on and then switch like you can do that you can be like I have a goal of I want to work at Valve or whatever and I'm just going to do what it takes to do that I'm gonna keep applying, kind of do that. But if you want, it's like Reiner getting on Eve. Yeah, yeah. he did that. Yeah, the funny thing about Reiner is he played Eve the entirety of school. Yep. And then got a job working on Eve. Like he got a job working on the game that he played before going to game school. Yeah, because it was it was his like lifestyle hobby. And that is, I've never heard anybody like that. Yeah, an equivalent would be like someone who loves playing WoW and has played it forever working at blizzard on wow on wow yeah like even if you were like even if like you wanted to work on at your favorite studio Mm -hmm. that would be an accomplishment that would be 98 percent of game developers do not get to do that right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and then like even if you're there working on your favorite game yeah like he wasn't Even there working on Cyberpunk. No, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, no, they don't make Cyberpunk. Sorry. No, Project Red. But like, yeah, um, like that vampire game. The vampire game. Yeah. yeah like um, he wasn't there working on the vampire game. No. Yeah. He, he was, was there, there working, working on, on Eve. Yeah. Working on Eve. Yeah. And and <laughs> CCP's Eve community is nuts, and to be able to like engage with them, and you know they have their and fan fest and to move and. <laughs> Either in Reykjavik and like yeah. right in the center of it, total dream come true, job. But then you hear this from our veteran developers; they just kind of burn out after a while. They're like, yeah. "I'm just, I need a different thing to work on. I yeah. want more work-life balance, or um, or they or want to work different on projects. something else. Because yeah, I know, as like a programmer." Um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to go into indie games because I was trying to work at triple A games mm-hmm. I was applying to Relic and EA and United Front yep. uh, all the time while I was working at Big Sandwich and then turned into Z2 and never really had the right experience or the right time or uh, like it never really kind of worked out um and, uh, but the thing is, is, I wanted to work in indie games because the trajectory is like a programmer gets weird, mm-hmm. where you like program and then you either become a technical director mm-hmm. or you become like super specialist, mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm just gonna be of the, I'm gonna be an expert in this one thing, right? Or I'm gonna do it, or I'm gonna be a technical director and do less programming. 
And so I was kind of like on track to doing that. And it, and it's just like I wanted the kind of variety of indie right. stuff like in the programming side. Um, so it's, yeah, like the people shift for all sorts of all sorts of reasons. reasons. Yeah. 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 And yeah, Runner's now back in Vancouver and yeah. <laughs> not working, not, not working, working on at, games. Yeah, not working in games. Yeah. And also it's tough because you, you always got to weigh as a game developer, like, what am I doing? Versus, like, what is my job? And it's, like, that balance of, like, you could be working on your favorite game doing something you don't like. Or uh, the job's really stressful, uh, but the game's really good, or the game, like, you don't care about, but the job is amazing. Like, it's super pleasant to go to work, and everything is set up that way. So it's kind of always a balance of... Yeah, you gotta yeah pick your yeah exactly what like what you're saying like pick your projects pick your work environment pick your career path like um, there's there's like a fluidity to it I you do have to embrace what comes like yeah. your your story is definitely like the but you probably like if, if I talked to you in school you probably wouldn't be like I'm gonna go to Switzerland and work it. Sweden or Sweden, yeah. <laughs> Sweden uh, and work at Dice, and I, I like you would have, not have, yeah, because you, you could have worked at Insomniac. Like you could, like there's right. so many different companies you could appoint. Like you could point to and be like, I want, I'm gonna work there. And right. I think uh, being a, like in game design school, a game designer, you want to design the games that you're really into. And I was like really super into open world and like single player adventure games. Um, and not so much shooters because I sucked at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny how just over time our tastes change and then you kind of can find yourself working like in a studio and on a game you wouldn't have thought you ever would have wanted to work on. And also, like, you, like were you choosing different schools? Uh, like, were there different schools you were looking at? Or companies or different like schools? Like different cities? Because oh, if you didn't go to yeah. Vancouver, you wouldn't have got the... No, you wouldn't have got the Volt job. You wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have met my girlfriend. Like all this stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. It's uh, funny when the life stuff links into it. Yeah, and it's all connected. And you're like, like on one half, maybe that's just the way life works because it's always about the choices we make and the consequences we get from those choices. Like what what happens, and there's no turning back from that. But um, I think. Uh, no, I wasn't really looking at other cities to go to because in Calgary, um, and I don't know what it's like today, but I'm sure it's probably not too much different. You're, like it's a, it's an industry, like a, an economy rather, I should say, based on oil, based on big business, maybe some <laughs> banking, right? There and there's art scenes, and then there's like services around providing things to the people working in the oil patch there and so the so i i found it really difficult to to fit in like i i i'm i think we're a bit more creative a bit more like interested in that sort of thing and and i just never felt like i fit in calgary Mm. and looking at calgary game dev jobs and it's uh casino games or like i think there's a couple mobile studios there yeah there's a couple indies i've met yeah and then then you have bioware in edmonton and Mm. as a as someone who doesn't have any game training whatsoever to think about like oh i want to go and 
to be a game designer in Edmonton. I didn't even have any clue on how to like yeah do that. Also, this is pre Mass Effect. You're making this decision. Yeah, actually, and I was I had made the decision <laughs> to go to Vancouver two years before we actually started. So that was like 2005. Yeah, so that's a different Bioware. It's a different Bioware, right? Like it's like <laughs> that's, that's a Microsoft published Bioware. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and and so it's yeah, it's it really. Yeah, it didn't even like occur to me that maybe I should go to Edmonton and try to get into this one company. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. You go there, it's <laughs> you one better company. make it work, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so, and the University of Calgary, Mount Royal College, um, SATE, you know, these are schools that focus on traditional university programs or um, computer programming. I, but I have a, the, the friend I worked for who runs the pub, he has a computer science degree. His job offerings at a school were working for the internet provider. Like, you, you know, these markets are really hard. And so I think um, picking Vancouver, because in Canada, you got Vancouver, you got Montreal and Toronto mm-hmm. as game developer, like game industry hubs and technology hubs. And basically the tax credits move around. Yeah, but historically they hop around yeah. and then layoffs happen and then. And then the one, film and game yeah. move to some yeah. other city. Yeah, so that's weird because like our whole careers, Montreal's had those tax breaks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always so we haven't seen it shift yet. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah, yeah. And there's like because yeah, Lucas ended up going to Ubisoft. Mm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah. Who's like, like my Reiner? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess. And Lucas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's working at Ubisoft still. Hmm. Which is crazy. Yeah, I've been there. He's probably been there what, like eight years now. Yeah, nine. We've been out of school nine like, years. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of time. It seems like a lot of time. Yeah, I had my high it school ten year reunion last year. Yeah. So that was. I yeah I graduated high school in two thousand. I was born in eighty two. So. Mm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I was already living in Vancouver. I think when they did their ten year anniversary, <laughs> yeah. like. I mean, I wanted to stay in Vancouver. I mean, I wanted to make games, but one of the things, not knowing what it's actually like, was like, I want to stay in Vancouver. So, this is an industry that is big in Vancouver, so I should be able to stay here Mm -hmm. uh, if I want to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for being on the question bus. Yeah, no worries. Of Um, course. This was a great episode. It's been a pleasure. My general rule of thumb is the longer the episode, the better I think it is. Okay. (laughs) So this is maybe the longest episode. Oh, my God. That's just because I ramble. (laughs) Um, And uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think... uh, No? Yeah, we should go have a beer. Well, no. Well... (laughs) You don't have any... EA properties, dice properties. You well, want to play? Oh, okay, well, definitely play some Battlefield when it comes out. It's going to be an amazing game. Uh, looks great. Plays. Really now, forgive me for asking this. This is the Battlefield coming out like October, I think. Yeah. Okay. Battlefield Five. The V. And it's World War Two. World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield Five. World War Two. It's a big game. It's got something for everybody. It's going to be fun.
and any like social medias or anything? Uh, you can hit me up. Uh, look for me on LinkedIn if you got more questions that you'd yeah. like to ask me about with game industry. Um, uh, I'm going to try to start posting a little bit more on the Battlefield forums so you can find me there. I think my handle is Rotosaurus Rex. Um, was that your choice? That or? was my choice. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be sure. There might be like a nickname person in the sure. office. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you can find me on there. Yeah. You private message. Are you going to get that on Twitter? Um, I might get that on Twitter later. Yeah. Um, well, you better. Probably a topic for another podcast, but yeah. like what's up with the world and the internet today and death threats against developers. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't send death threats. Yeah. So maybe just, yeah. Don't do any of that. But, yeah, if you want to talk more game industry and game design, um, feel free to. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>